Our scripture reading for this morning is Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayers with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now, I am sure of this, that he who began good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. This is God's word. It is our honor to be here this morning. Uh, back in 2005, my daughter, uh, she's now 20, but she went to kindergarten in Mexico City. And there was a time where this song was uh, playing all over. And it said, we're all in this together. Oh, my word. If I would hear that song one more time, I would go crazy. Yet, when the Apostle Paul is thinking of the people in Philippians, he is very thankful because not only they have, they have been friends, not only they have been disciples, but they are together in the gospel. They are partners. And that's exactly what today we're going to talk about. How is that we are all together for the gospel, for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, whether it's in India, whether it's in Sierra Tlapaneca, here in Memphis, or where we are in Katy, Texas. We're all in this together. And it could be across the street or around the world. The mission remains the same. To make that every, every man, woman, and child be given repeated opportunity to see, hear, or respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel that could transform their lives, the gospel that brings them from, from darkness into amazing light for God's honor and God's glory. And the Apostle Paul, in the, my brother Suresh was uh, reading Philippians 1, 3 to 6, and you saw it in the, in, in, in the, uh, in the screen. This uh, this passage of scripture in Philippians says that I thank the Lord, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. But we need to think, what is that, what relationship is there between Paul and the Philippian church? For this, we need to go back 10, maybe 12 years before in the second missionary journey of the apostle Paul. His companion at that point is Silas. But if you look in Acts uh, 16, where he tells us the moment where the Apostle Paul enters Macedonia after having a dream where a Macedonian man is telling him, come and help us. The very next verses, we understand that Paul and Silas, and possibly Luke, since in the chapter, toward the half of the chapter 16, we hear the word we. And the author of Acts is Luke. So we assume then, it is correct to assume that Luke, Silas, and Paul are entering Macedon. And at the beginning of Acts 16, we see that there's a young man by the name of Timothy who's also joining the team. So there's at least four people that are coming into Philippi. And they, they, we understand that there is no synagogue over there. 
Because instead of going to the synagogue, which was usually what Paul and his companions would do, instead of doing that, what they do is they go to the river. And in the river, there's a woman, Lydia. She sells clothing for rich people. We know this because in the word in Acts 16, it says that she sells purple. Purple? purple? What? It's like they like painting purple their homes? Uh, no, no, no. It was like Mardi Gras. And, 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 you know, they love purple in Mardi Gras. No, 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 no. It's because people of royalty, they would wear a purple clothing to signify, you know, nowadays is uh, maybe Gucci or maybe Louis Vuitton. Now you guys have no idea. I'm talking to the ladies, all right? <laughs> but that's the way that we know that somebody has prestige, right? That somebody has uh, a little bit of extra money. So the thing is, they arrive into that river and Paul begins to preach, we assume, and Lydia is baptized at that moment. And her house, because she's a rich woman, she begs for them, for the four of them, to come to the house and they stay in that house. Well, you know what happened later on, right? They're walking down the street and there's a lady behind them, a young slave, a slave girl, who's beginning to say, hey, these men are, have been sent by the Lord and they've been sent by the Lord and Obviously, Paul does not want to be associated with somebody who is a diviner. So she doesn't, he doesn't want that to be associated and right away cast the demon out of her. And obviously, the people that own that girl, it's hard to see, right? The slavery was so prevalent back then. But at that moment, those people that owned the girl saw that their means of income was now diminished, was gone. So they begin to say, hey, these guys are against the Roman way. And they are put to jail after they've been beaten up. Imagine, so, so far we have Lydia, now Macedonia. You might know who the most, the, the most famous Macedonian men, man in, in back then and even now. His name was Alexander the Great. And now we are in Philippi. And why is this important? Because Philippi is named after Philip, the father of Alexander the Great. So we are in Macedon. We see how the word of God is being fulfilled because this guy, this Macedonian man in the dream that spoke to Paul now is being fulfilled. Now the gospel is entering Macedonia. And it's beautiful to see that. Except that what happened to Paul and Silas? Now, we don't know what happened at that point with um, Timothy and, um, and Luke. Probably they ran away or they weren't as outspoken as the other two. But they were beaten and put in jail. Then an earthquake comes and the jailer almost commits suicide. Just at the moment when, when, uh, when, when Paul says, hey, don't do any harm to yourself. We are here. All accounted for, we haven't escaped. And then he runs to them and say, hey, tell me about this Jesus. Why? Because they've been, instead of just moaning, and oh, now we are here in jail. Oh, Lord, here we are trying to do your will, and look where you're, you're, you're leading us. No, they're not doing that. What they're doing is they're worshiping the Lord 
Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but when, you, when, when I'm in, a, in deep peril, when I'm, I'm in circumstances that are really difficult, I usually, and my wife can tell you, that I usually go depressed or I mope a little bit, and then I go and I say, oh, Lord, you know, maybe you're not like me. Maybe you do have faith. But Paul is praying. Paul is worshiping. And now we have not only Lydia, not only possibly this slave girl became a believer, and now we also have the jailer and his family coming to know the Lord. Now, why am I going into all of this? Because Paul has received, according to, ver to chapter 4, he has received an offering, a love offering from this people. We assume that these are the people that are sending him, and other people as well, that are sending him this love offering. Where is Paul at this point? Well, tradition says that he probably is either in Rome or Ephesus, and he's having, you know, he's in a hammock, and he's drinking a piña colada, virgin, of course, virgin. And he has a slave, you know, making giving him hair and, you know, air and all that. And no, where is he? He's in jail. So he's really thankful to the Lord that now, after 10 years, they have remembered to give him a, a love offering. So this is the response. The letter is a response to that offering brought to him by Epaphroditus. Now, some of you might be pregnant. That would be a really good name for that baby. <laughs> There's other ones in the end of the scripture, you know, that, that would be really nice. But anyway, so Epaphroditus got sick and they got really concerned. So now uh, Paul is writing back, but this is what he says. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all mankind, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. Yeah, it's about, it's about missions, right? We're talking this week and the next week is about missions. But let's not lose sight of the fact that we are partnering in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of you are partnering here. Some of us are partnering there. I remember in Armitage Baptist Church in Chicago, Illinois, when I was going through um, uh, at Moody Bible Institute, we became members there at Armitage Baptist Church, and we had, a, similar to what we are experiencing this week, a missions conference, and the, and the title was Across the Street or Around the World. And that's exactly what we are doing. We're not only prayer, praying for the missionaries like Hermano Gaitan, who's right now under the surgery, right? Under the knife. We're praying also for ourselves because it's not only about those that have been out or have been sent out. It's about us as well because we're setting the Lord Jesus Christ, setting his name up in high because we need to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ that transformed people here, there, or everywhere. And my desire today is really, I was thinking as I was, as I was checking all the, the banners and listening to all the conversations yesterday and the day before. And I thought to myself, and I even told my wife, Becky, 
What am I to say to these people, honey? They are the ones that should be teaching us about missions. Except for one thing, right? That we need to encourage one another and keep on doing the right thing and not give up. What is interesting is, you remember this, right? About two years ago, this became very famous. This is a what? Fidget spinner. Now, I, I forgot mine at home, so we had to go yesterday. And the last one in the store we could find. But, you know, as I've been talking, I spin it, and some of us might assume that this is going to spin forever. Right? Because it's designed in a way that, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to last for a while. Except that the laws of thermodynamics, air resistance, and all that are going to operate against it. And we could assume today that the missions conference and the missions programs are going to continue here at First Ivan forever and ever. Except that unless we keep on spinning it every once in a while, it could quickly be forgotten. And it's up to us, the next generation, something that started 85 years ago, that it would never stop. Amen? Until the Lord Jesus Christ comes. And that's what is happening here. So um, the apostle is writing to them and say, thank my God for all my remembrance of you. You know, he's thankful for every single partner. And Paul is thankful for because he left behind a group of people. He had to leave and now 10 years later, approximately 10 years later, they're remembering the, uh, the Apostle Paul and sending this love offering. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the differences between being in jail back then and being in jail today. But we know, we can assume that for Paul to be able to receive this, it meant that he could eat better. Here nowadays, you know, we have to be responsible for the people in jail. Back then, it was the families that needed to bring some food and comfort to them or else they will be forgotten. He's really thankful because now it means that he could live, keep on going. But you know, it's not about the love offering. It's about that this love offering is going to help him. It's going to enable him to share the gospel. And they know, imagine, the Philippian jailer knows one thing. If when I was there in jail, I could hear Paul in jail, singing and worshiping the Lord. What is Paul probably doing, whether in Ephesus or Rome? What is he doing right now? The, probably the, the Philippian jailer is thinking. He is worshiping the Lord. He is singing out loud. He's praying out loud. And he's also sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ from jail. That's why he knows that he needs to give thanks to them because they're enabling Paul to share the gospel with those that haven't heard yet. I love this part just because he is for the love, for the love for him, right? But also because of the love for God. A less obvious reason, this is not directly from this passage, but we could assume that, that John 14, 15 says, if you love me, the Lord Jesus Christ is telling his disciples, if you love me, you will keep my 
commands. You will keep my commandments. And we've been reading, we've been, the title or the sermon or the, the verse of scriptures that we've been using throughout this season, this, uh, um, this conference, has been Mark 16, 15. He said, go to all the world and preach to all creation. So that's a commandment. And we know that when we are fulfilling this commandment, not only we are showing our love for one another, we're showing our love to the world, but we're showing our love to the Lord. Because we're, try we're trying to be, exactly, to fulfill that commandment of, if you love me, you will keep my commands. So he's thankful for them because they love the Lord, but also because they love the missionaries. He's thankful for the love for the missionaries. In a more practical way, Paul is very thankful because the Philippians have proven their love not only for the Lord by fulfilling this commandment, but also for Paul, Timothy, Luke, and the rest of the team, the missionaries. By now, Paul has been in the mission field for more than 12 years. He's been probably in contact with them for a while. And he writes back to say thank you, writing this letter, and he lays down his life to the Lord and this is interesting. We don't know if by Paul, when Paul is writing, he might be thinking that in one, two days, two hours later, he could be beheaded. He doesn't know if this is going to be the last letter that he will ever be writing. And he takes time just to say, thank my Lord for you. Because they, he knows that they love him and the rest of the missionaries. In Philippians 4.18, he says, I have received full payment and more. I am very supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Every time that a penny is deposited, Every time that a dollar is deposited, every time, well, now live in different days, right? Every time that our, our money comes out of our account because we are in secure giving or whatever you use here. You know, we're not only giving because we love the Lord. We're giving because we love our missionaries. And it's a fragrant aroma unto the Lord. So I'm here to thank you because of the following. Because not only you love the Lord, not only you love the missionaries, you love the world. Let me tell you a story about a kid, 16-year-old. He wanted to be a Catholic priest, grew up in a very devout family, and some of my, so I'm talking about me, some of my friends, some of my uh, cousins, Women and, and, and men have been priests and nuns. And I wanted to be that. And one day, my brother, Julio, Julio Munoz, he's two, two years older than I am. He started attending a church that may might be familiar to you, Tlalpan Bible Church. Dan Wisher is one of the founders of that church. My brother started attending that church, and out of fear, he did not communicate it to us that he was now, he had been baptized already, that he was studying the Bible, 
because he knew out of fear. Because my grandma, when, he was, when she was 12 years old, she heard the priest say the following. If you read the Bible and misinterpret it, you will go to hell. That was said in 1917. And my grandma could remember very well. So imagine my brother when he comes home and he's opening a Bible. Ah! She was really afraid. She was really scared. So my brother, this was April of 89. And it took my brother up until October of 89 to convince me to go to Tlalpan Bible Church. And I remember walking in, and my intention was to rescue my brother from the fangs of this people that lived in error. What is interesting is I walked in, and it was a Saturday morning, 7 o'clock in the morning. I was thinking, these people might be in sin. Why somebody would, teach, would learn the Bible or teach the Bible at 7 o'clock in the morning? Nonetheless, I walked in thinking that I could rescue my brother from error, and three, two missionaries and one Mexican, who is now my brother-in-law. Um, one of the missionaries, his name was Ken Hanna. He's been with the Lord now for quite a while, 25 years almost. And the other one was Dan Wisher. And I could still remember that outline. They were studying a Bible doctrine uh, survey from Dr. Ryrie. Chapter 3, Jesus Christ is the Lord. I thought to myself, I've been in church all my life, all my 16 years, right? I've been in church all my life. I know everything about Jesus Christ. What these gringos have to teach to me? And then they opened the Bible. Jesus Christ is the Lord before the foundation of the world. Wow. Who is this Jesus they are talking about? All my life I've seen Jesus hanging on the cross, a dying man, powerless. How could he be the creator of all things? Then, next gringo, next American. Jesus Christ is the Lord during his incarnation. And he taught about the miracles that he did, how he transformed water into wine, how he fed 5,000 at a time. And I was like, who is this guy that I haven't heard from? I've seen this Jesus in Mary's lap, a powerless baby, not a, power God, not a powerful God. And then the Mexican got up, Gabriel Alfaro, and he started preaching about how Jesus Christ is the Lord in his second coming. And I thought, what? What is this? Why haven't I been taught this? But I was too proud to admit that what I heard was really transforming, that it was really beautiful. So it took me another three months. But something that I can tell you is, if Dan Wisher wouldn't have been there starting that church, I probably wouldn't be here. So I want to thank you for sending Dan 30-some years ago. Thank you for Dan and for Sue. But thank you for having the vision of sending somebody that would teach me about the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you think that that's where the story ends, think about two years later when a couple of girls, beautiful girls, one more beautiful than the other, 
decided to come to Mexico with CAM International, the same mission organization that Dan and Sue were with, and they decided to go back to Mexico. They grew up in Mexico City. They speak perfect Spanish. And um, because, of, because of certain things and how it played out, uh, Dan Wisher and Sue decided to take these two girls under their care and under their wing and be responsible for them uh, by welcoming them into Tlalpan Bible Church. Two years later, I had been out, you know, not really following the Lord for two years. And my brother Julio says, hey, Antonio, guess what? A couple of girls that sing beautifully are going to be in church. Why don't you come? I said, okay, I'll go. And my brother introduced me to my future wife, Becky, which, by the way, it took about four and a half years for her to realize that she was madly in love with me. <laughs> right? Finally, she came around, but, uh, but it's okay. So, once again, because the Lord plays first Ivan 85 years ago in this area, and because the Lord inundated with his love this church and his love for missions, not only people like H.V. Lemley, but brother, my brother and my mentor, my spiritual father, Dan Wisher, because you have had that vision, I'm here today. A couple of years later, after I met Becky, one day, finishing, uh, after he, he preached, Dan Wisher, he said, hey, I'm going to go teach at a Bible school. It's like two hours away from Mexico, Mexico City, and I'm going to teach the book of Acts. Why don't you come with me? Now, he didn't know that at that point, the Lord had been calling me, had been prompting my heart to become full-time in ministry. So when he extended that invitation, I thought, how am I going to ask permission for two weeks to go to a different place, leave my job behind? My parents were not in agreement at all. But the Lord opened the doors just because he extended the invitation to come. And that's how the Lord confirmed that he wanted me in full-time ministry. Eventually, Sue and, and Daniel, once they realized that we were going to get married, they were the ones that gave our premarital counseling. And in January 2nd of 1997, Daniel performed our wedding back in Mexico City. 27 years, one month, 17 days, and 12 hours ago. See, I probably cannot tell you a lot about missions, a lot more than you already know. But I can tell you one thing. Thank you. Thank you for your investment. Because you are like God in a sense. You're not God. That's clear. <laughs> but you are like God in this. He loved us before he, know, he knew us, right? You love me before you knew me. And for that, I'm very thankful. Dania Wad Numala. Merci. Danke. Thank you. Thank you for investing in missions and proving that you love the Lord, that you love your missionaries. 
and that you love people like me in the world. But see, the job is not done yet. And there's a risk that what we are doing today in a few years from now might not be in operation. It's up to us to keep on going, doing the good work. I need a hurry. <laughs> but that's what we are here. So I would like for the Tlapanecos, the Mepa, to send up. I would like for my brother, Surat, to get up, to face the congregation and to say, in your own language, thank you. He digan gracias. Muchas gracias. Muchas gracias. And as we hurry up, because <laughs> we have a lot to cover still, I just want to thank you, first Ivan, for your investment in the gospel. But is it really important? Verse number five, verse five, it says, always in every prayer, it says in verse four, uh, mine for you, for you all, making my prayers with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. So in what we are together, we're all in this together, and what this is, is we are in the gospel together. We are partners. Paul clarifies on that, that the Philippian believers are partners. Their partnership in the gospel is important that we support others so the gospel of Jesus Christ keeps advancing and the kingdom keeps growing. That means that some of, some of us are going to have to be actively going The theme this, year, this week or this year has been sending and going. So some of us are going to have to go, actively go. Uh, Acts in, in, in Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas are sent away by a group of people that have been praying, and the Holy Spirit indicated to them that Paul and Barnabas needed to go in their first missionary journey. We are partners in mission. Some have to go. And I said, yet, even though this is a very joyous event, when we're sending out missionaries, this morning when I was uh, with Brother Jim in the mission committee or mission, uh, what do you call that? The mission team. I don't know. I invite you to go and take a look at the map. As you enter, you face a wall. And it, each one of those, uh, uh, many all around the, the wall, it, it has posted notes of the things that missionaries had to sacrifice to be able to go into the mission field. And the, you don't know this, but I had in my notes the following. You don't know all the sacrifices that a missionary has to make. <clears throat> my father-in-law, Royce Barron, he, he sends the Lord calling to go into missions, and he said, Lord, send me to Alaska, a place that is cold. He was from uh, Canada. And he said, send me to Alaska, a place that is cold, but don't send me to Mexico because it's really hot. And he spent 43 years in Mexico, okay? <laughs> but he told me with tears in his eyes that between the year 1965, which is when he went to the mission field, and 1981, he spent only two Two Christmases with his parents and his relatives up in Canada. So, 
there's a lot of dead dreams that go in, when a missionary goes into the mission field. One of them is, you grandmas, you love to hug your grandchildren, don't you? Grandpas, you love to take them out to buy candy or a lollipop or something like that, like my dad with my daughters. And those are things that don't happen because some people say, I want to be active in the going. So there's a lot of sacrifice that goes with missionaries. I've been to Sierra Tlapaneca more than 12 times. These are some of my dearest friends. And you have no idea the sacrifices that they have to make every day. Maybe you do. Because really, what I've seen this week has, has made me, has, I'm just surprised how much you love your missionaries, how much you love the Lord. Some have to go, but have to make a lot of sacrifices. But you know, some have to actively stay. And the reason why I put the, the word active is because when we stay behind, it doesn't mean that we could just relax and not do anything. It's partnering in the gospel means that while others are sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ out there, you have to share it right here. Now, I need to be careful because nowadays they say, oh, you shouldn't use the word should because that's a language of shame. And you know what? A commandment is either you obey it or you don't. So we better get a hold of the grasp of that, yeah, that Christ is expecting us, that something that he is commanding that we will fulfill. He's sending us to preach to every man, woman, and child and be given repeated opportunity to hear and respond to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to be active in sharing the gospel. Active staying. You know, uh, I was checking the other day. We were watching a video. And uh, it was one of those uh, world relief or something like that. I don't remember exactly what it was. But you've seen those commercials. The kid is, he looks like is from Africa. And it's full with flies all around. And it says on top, for the price of coffee, for $2 a day, you could support this kid to have a hungry, to no longer have a hungry belly, right? And there's two responses. There's more than two, but the two that I've, that I've heard are the following. Oh, I want to go. I want to give not only $2, I want to give more. But then there's other people that look at that and they think, wow, I wonder where I could find a $2 cup of coffee. <laughs> Why? Well, number one, because now there's like 4 or $5. But no, the reality is that sometimes we just are indifferent to missions, to sharing not only around the world, but across the street. We are partners in sharing the gospel. You here in Memphis, we there in Katy, Texas, or Sierra Tapaneca or North India, whatever the Lord has places, we need 
to share the gospel. But for that, we need to understand what is that. Actively sharing the gospel. Um, recently, I've talked to a lot of young people, and they say, you know, I don't want to offend people with the gospel. All I want to do is I just want to live my life as a good Christian in front of them so that they would see Jesus in me. And that sounds really nice, except for one thing. Imagine your best friend arriving to heaven. The door is open. The Lord Jesus Christ welcomes the person and says, Hey, why do I need to let you into my kingdom? And the response of your best friend is, Oh, because I knew a pastor from Mexico. He was really good. Is that going to be enough to grant him pass into eternity? I'm all for being a godly believer. The Bible says so. I'm all for living it out and modeling for other people. But unless we explain to them that God loves them, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, Unless they understand, but we have a problem, and the problem is sin. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and have fallen short, short, short of the glory of God. Unless they understand that Christ died for us. Romans 5.8, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Unless they understand that if they believe in Christ as their personal Savior, if they confess with their mouth, as it says in Romans 10.9, that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised them from the death, they will be saved unless they really turn to the Lord Jesus Christ with faith and say, I'm a sinner. I need to repent. I need to trust in Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. They're going to stand at the door and not let into the heaven. And worse, spend an eternity separated from God, away from him. That's what we are partners in. We're partners in the gospel. Where? Is there, a, is there a, an expiration date? Yeah, the Bible says here. In Philippians, uh, I'm sure that of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion when? Until the day of Jesus Christ. God is the one that will prosper his mission and I love this. You know, I don't have to worry about uh, what is he going to do, what do we need to do. God will continue to give us ideas and give us the power, the money, etc., so that we could reach the people around the world and across the street with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He will do it. But we still need to cooperate with what he is doing. Isn't that amazing? that the Lord is inviting us to join him in something that is global and local at the same time. Sometimes it feels local instead of local, <laughs> right? But the reality is we are all in this together, reaching out people with the gospel of Jesus Christ until Christ come back. Let me almost finish with this, almost. Careful when you invite a Mexican to preach. <laughs> but, you know, we have a, um, in, in Katy, about eight years ago, before we arrived in, in our church, uh, they started a ministry or joined a ministry that is called Feed the Hunger. And 
correct, you know, I, I don't know why they call it like that, feed the hunger. However, that's what the ministry is called. And what we do is all around is like a, like a line, assembly line, and we begin with a bag, with a plastic bag. By the way, we all have, have uh, cover, head coverings and gloves because we're touching a lot of food. And it's a small pouch. Maybe you have seen or you've seen anything like this or you have something like that here in, in, in Memphis. Katie had the privilege of packing in one year one million meals. But that's, I'm not bragging about it, all right? What I'm saying is that this is very interesting. In the assembly line, you begin with a bag, a plastic bag. And you go first to the station of rice, then to the dry vegetables, then to the dry um, uh, spices, and then dry beans, and then you go and put it in a little thing that, that seals it, uh, and then you go and you have to put a, a um, uh, oh, the sticker. A sticker to identify the, it has to be weighed, everything weighs exactly the same. And you know, when you finish here, you know what you need to do for two hours? By the way, you pay $56, and you dedicate no, $65, and you dedicate two hours, one evening, to pack meals for people that are in need in America and around the world. I love that ministry. But once you finish here and you put your bag into the box, the, the guy that is over the whole thing, the supervisor tells you, go and get one more. So we go and we start the process all over again. Why? And this is the phrase. I love the phrase. Because it's hard to hear the gospel with a hungry belly. And why we need to do that? Because the job isn't done yet. And I'm here to tell you, until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, the, the work isn't done yet. And in the words of Philippians, what he is saying is, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a, a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I was saying that missionaries make a lot of sacrifices and I started crying. And I forgot this theme, this point. But this is one of the most important. Some of you might be hearing this and the Lord is moving your heart, steering your heart and saying, God has been calling me for quite a while. It doesn't matter how old you are. God has been calling you for quite a while. And the word today for you is surrender. Surrender and say, Lord, I don't know how, but I want to be an international partner by joining the mission field. Some of you grandmas, grandpas, maybe moms or dads, they're holding on to your children and thinking, oh, yeah, it's good for his child to go into the mission field. It's good for my friend's child to go into the mission field, but not mine. What if the Lord is encouraging you today through the aid of the Holy Spirit to release and say, Lord, I release my children so that you do whatever you please with them. 
you're going to have to sacrifice a lot. But you know, in the, in the long scheme of things, once we get together in heaven, we'll have an eternity to share what we learned while we were away. Amen. Applications today. I always finish with a few very practical applications. Number one, consider, God's, consider if God is calling you to actively go. Maybe part-time. I surrender my life in a short mission trip. Maybe that's where you need to get a little bit of your feet wet. And maybe you'll see if this is a calling for you. Maybe already you already know that God is calling you full-time. Lord, I surrender my life as an offering to you. If you consider God's calling to actively stay, supporting the goers. And I think right now we have a very, very important goal. $20,000 to support that Lapaneco conference that they're going to have. I think that if a couple of people would join together, that would come easily. But I'm not here to, to push a little bit more. I'm just saying that that's, that's a very, very clear goal in, in front of us. Maybe you're saying, Laura, I cannot go, but I will support Consider if God is calling you to actively stay, to make disciples by sharing the gospel. Lord, I cannot go, but I will continue to disciple one more for your honor and your glory. And once I've done that, once I've finished one, one bag with one disciple, let me go and start with another more. Because we're all in missions together, partnering and sending across the street and around the world Actively searching for the last, the least, the lost, and the lonely with the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ. Let's bow. Is it true, Lord, that you love us so much that you sent the most, pressure, the most precious that you have beside you? And you sent him here to die a gruesome death for us. Is it true, Lord? By believing in his sacrifice, we could be reconciled with you and never worried about salvation anymore. Is it true, Lord, that now you have commanded us to go and make disciples throughout the world? Father, Fill us with conviction. And at the same time, thank you for this church. Thank you for First Ivan. That without knowing many of us, they have loved us by sending missionaries with the love of Jesus Christ. Bless this church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.